Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Charles Russell from Cries of the Wild Ministries, Incorporated, also known as the Church with Legs. And right now you're tuned into the Church with Legs podcast. I wanted to share a quick word with you all coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, we just want to look at verse 6 down through verse um, 16. We're in a season right now, I would say, uh, unanimously, where every believer needs to draw near unto Christ, um, get into a place of consecration, uh, deep fasting and prayer, asking the Lord to open our eyes for what's to come because there's a lot of things going on right now um, in the spirit realm and there's a lot of things going around even in the natural realm and much many times the natural realm is a reflection of the spiritual realm if you will so drawing into the presence of the Lord getting into the word of God immersing ourselves into the Holy Ghost right now is paramount so that he will give us discernment and understanding and um, applicable knowledge on how to um, navigate through the waters that this world is throwing at us and through the things that are befalling us. So I'm going to start off with 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and I'm going to start with verse 6. Scripture says, How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. What Paul is saying is we speak wisdom. Now if you look at wisdom in the Greek, it's Sophia, and it means skill. Uh, among them that are perfect, coming from a Greek word, teleos, simply means to uh, be complete and those represent of course the Christians not perfect in a place of uh, sinless perfection but looking at perfect in a place of maturity uh, in your Christianity it says we speak wisdom or skillfully among them that are complete yet not the wisdom of this world now all throughout Corinthians in another place if you look at 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1 you start to look at the terminology of how God perceives wisdom opposed to how the world perceives wisdom, how the Jews required sign, and of course the uh, Greeks uh, required uh, sought after wisdom. And it says that um, uh, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. So the preaching of the cross doesn't seem to be wise to someone who perishes. This is a person who is obviously an unbeliever. Uh, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. That's 1 Corinthians 1.18. So the vantage point matters. Uh, the saved look at the cross and Christ crucified as the power of God. You can correlate that to Romans 1.16. But the unsaved, those who perish, they view what we view as the power of God to be foolishness. And um, as we know, scripture says it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. The problem here is not wisdom, but the world's definition of wisdom uh, opposed to God's definition of wisdom. So when you go back to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6, it says we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or the saints. Yet we do not speak the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes or the rulers of this world that come to naught. Uh, that word come to naught means that are rendered inoperative or abolished. Uh, the wisdom of this world, along with the princes of this world, will be rendered inoperative at some point of time. It says in seven, in contrast, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. So us saints, through the Spirit of God, we, sp we speak skillfully of God, from God, meaning God is the source, and we do it in a mystery. Greek word musterion, which means a mystery or secret doctrine. It doesn't denote something that can't be understood, but more importantly, something that can't be understood without the Holy Spirit revealing it to us. So as we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, um, even the hidden wisdom, um, hidden wisdom means something that is concealed. 
which God ordained or predetermined before the world unto our glory, leading to our glory. So we speak skillfully from God in a mystery, and we speak the hidden wisdom, which God himself had already predetermined before the world ever was that would lead unto our glory. It says also this wisdom that he gave us, uh, none of the princes or rulers of this world knew this wisdom that the Lord has given the saints was a wisdom that was unattainable by the princes of this world. It says if they would have known this wisdom that was concealed and God had ordained it before the world that would lead to our glory, if they would have known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So we know the princes in verse 8 is referring specifically to those who were rulers during the time of Christ's existence, which of course were responsible for Christ's crucifixion. It says if they would have had this wisdom, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now it's not that this wisdom wasn't offered unto them. This wisdom would have been offered to them through salvation and through the preaching of the cross. It's because they looked at it as foolishness that they rejected it. And that's why it was a mystery unto them because the only way they would have understood or would have foreknown this type of wisdom would have been through God or through the source of the Spirit. So the reason why they crucified Christ was because they did not believe and they looked at the preaching of uh, Christ as foolishness. So therefore they crucified him. Nine says, but as it is written, and this is an Old Testament passage, um, Isaiah 64 and um, 4. Isaiah 64 and 4 is a reference Paul is going to make. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now you have to ask the question, like any time you see a New Testament writer reference an Old Testament passage, what is the point? And to develop or come to the knowledge of what the point is, you have to go back to the original passage in the Old Testament and develop context. What was being said when it was originally stated? And now once you figured that out, why did Paul or whatever New Testament writer had uh, referenced this passage, reference it in the New Testament scripture? So Isaiah 64 and 4, if you were to look at that, deals with a prayer that's being made for God to illustrate his power or to come down and manifest his power. If you look at verse 1, and Isaiah 64 says, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens or tear the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow or bow down at thy presence. And it keeps on going with these petitions to want to see God's power illustrated. But when you get to verse 4, it says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. So that's the original reference. Why is Paul making it? Well, Paul is dealing with the topic of wisdom, and he's dealing with two types of wisdom, even from the beginning of uh, 1 Corinthians 1. Even in, it, it spills over into 1 Corinthians 2, the, the topic wisdom is still at hand. Two types of wisdom, the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God. And we know that this wisdom of God was a mystery because it can only be attained through spiritual revelation, right? So when 9 goes to say, as it is written in Isaiah 64 and 4, I have not seen nor ear heard, we have to stop there and realize that eyes and ears are faculties of knowledge, how we attain knowledge through our senses. There are two of the five senses, uh, touch, taste, sight, smell, hear. In this case, I have not seen, we know our eyes, one of the, one of the greatest um, conduits of how we learn. We learn what, through the, just look, look at the eyeball, we learn shape, size, hue, 
say color if you want to, depth perception, big, tall, uh, far, near, all of these things we learn through just looking, beautiful, ugly, whatever have you, right? Um, now, ear, also sound, loud, uh, soft, quiet, sharp, muddy, all of these different ways that we can perceive sound. Both of these uh, elements or both of these faculties, sight and sound, teach us. So we know that in a natural manner, this is how we learn through the faculty of our sight and the faculty of our taste, our touch, our smell and our hearing. But you don't learn God that way. And the things of God, should I say, the deeper mysteries of the Lord, you can't learn that way. Um, it has to be spiritually revealed. And that goes beyond the ability of your sight and beyond the ability of your hearing. So it says that is written, I have not seen or heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. That word entered into the heart of man, meaning the heart is not able to perceive or understand the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. The things that are being reserved for us, um, the blessings and promises of God cannot be perceived by the heart of a man who has not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is what gives us the ability to understand. Uh, it says that he teaches us all things who bring all things into remembrance. He is a teacher, the Holy Ghost. So when you think about it, without the Holy Ghost, can you really understand the things that God has prepared for those that love him? You can't. But then verse 10 tells us that, but God hath revealed the word revealed, meaning ap op, uh, ap ok alupto in the Greek, simply means to uncover or manifest. God hath revealed them unto us, the saints. But how did he reveal it unto us? By his spirit, the Holy Ghost. Meaning God revealed the things that God had prepared for us that love him by his spirit to his saints. It says, for the spirit or because the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The Holy Ghost searches the deep things of God. It says, For what man knoweth the things of a man? In other words, what man, what natural man, has the ability to know the ways of a natural man? Well, he can only do that through the spirit that is in him. Not the Holy Spirit, but his natural spirit. And the reason why that's important is because if you go back to Genesis, when the Lord breathed into the nostrils of Adam, Genesis 2 and 7, what had happened is he gave him knowledge. The Lord breathed the breath of life into nostril, the nostrils of Adam. He became a living soul. He became conscience. And conscious, uh, conscience and conscious has a lot to do with knowledge. So he began to know about himself. So the only way a man can know the things of man is through the very spirit or breath that is in him. So if that's the case, it says, even so the things of God knoweth no man. But the Spirit of God, meaning a man cannot know the things of God except through the Spirit of God. So if a man can't know the things of man except through the Spirit that is in him, then in a like manner, a man can't not know the things of God except through the Holy Ghost, which is given unto him. 12 says, now we have received not the Spirit of the world. We have not received the Spirit that belongs to this world, but we have received the Spirit which is of God. We have receive the spirit which proceeds forth from God himself, the Holy Ghost. And here's the reason why, that we might know, we might be aware or be able to perceive the things that are freely given to us of God. There's things that God has given us freely. The Greek word is charizomahi, and you have a word charis in there which deals with grace, meaning he showed us favor. 
So we have the Spirit of God so that we may know or perceive the things that He has freely offered to us. It says, which things also we speak. We speak of these things when we preach, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. So we don't teach according to the wisdom of this world, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. So it shows you that one of the functions of the Holy Ghost is to teach. And we do that by comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Now, if you look up the word compare in the Greek, you get sunga krino, and it means to join together, interpret, or explain. Uh, it's another word synonymous with judge. So it's closely identified with the word judge, which means to closely compare two or more things and discriminate those two things, right? So when you think about it, it's saying that we compare spiritual things with spiritual. We examine the spiritual aspects of life through the spirit. You can't understand spiritual things without the spirit. And it explains it to you in the next verse of 14. It says the natural man, this natural man is uh, the animalistic man, the, the natural man being unregenerate, not filled with the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is sukikos. He receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. So the natural man cannot perceive or understand the things that belong to the spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness unto him. The natural man, according to his natural wisdom, looks at the things of God and deems them to be foolishness. It says, neither can he know them. And that means to recognize or perceive them because they are spiritually discerned, meaning he cannot grasp the things of the Spirit of God except through the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what gives us revelation of those things that are spiritual in nature. 15 says, but he that is spiritual, the word pneumatikos, meaning fully governed by the Holy Ghost, judgeth, meaning he's able to discern all things that God will allow him to understand. Yet he himself is judged or understood of no man, not of no man like anyone, but particularly people who aren't saved will not understand the joys, the faith, the zeal, and the diligence that he gives off for God because they don't understand the things of God. It says, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? That's an Old Testament passage saying that no one can know the mind of God to instruct God. But here he's saying we have the mind of Christ. So we can know the mind of the Lord, not to instruct him, but we can know the mind of the Lord because we have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is the mind of God. So because of the Holy Spirit, we have this revelation to understand the promises that are attributed to us the things which are freely offered unto us, but without the Holy Spirit, we are barren and bereft of any knowledge. This is why it's so important that even for the saint who has the Holy Ghost, that he in, um, he immerses himself into the Holy Ghost, yields to the government of the Holy Spirit, studies the scriptures diligently, and then applies that knowledge in his life so that he can be awakened to the things that befall us or the things that are coming or the prophecies that are being fulfilled or the nearing of the return of the Lord or someone in their midst that may have negative intentions or someone in their congregation that may have malicious intent. When you are immersed in the Spirit of God and you yield it to the Holy Ghost, you'll be able to see these things through spiritual lenses and you will weigh out every matter in a supernatural manner. You won't look at life through a lens of this world you look at life through the lens of the holy spirit and that's what we need desperately now in today's time is to truthfully stay rooted and committed in the holy ghost so that's what i have for you all today again this is pastor charles russell of cries and wild ministries also known as the church with legs you're tuned into the church with legs podcast 
Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.